The Grandmother Stories Seeking Light in Dark Times Hello, I'm Katherine Matheson. Writer, grandmother, crone, aspiring wise woman. I've walked this earth through six decades and even the fools among us can see the situation in this world that our children will inherit is dire. This podcast is for my grandchildren to share my deepest secrets, the lessons I've learned, and the brilliant pieces of incredible joy I've managed to find even in my darkest hours. I'm sending this out to all of you, dear grandchildren, because I know you have come into this life with a purpose, just like every single child on the planet today. It's easy to forget sometimes that your voice, your gifts, your insights, your presence in the world matters. The world needs your light because we are all seeking light in dark times. Episode 12, The Universal Symphony and How to Hear It Play. The patterns of the universe can be seen in the orbit of planets, in the way leaves grow on the trees, the way a nautilus shell curves outward as it grows, and in the way it sings. Does the universe sing? Apparently it does, and its lowest note may be a B-flat, some 57 octaves lower than middle C. That's according to Dr. Andrew Fabian, an X-ray astronomer at the Institute for Astronomy at Cambridge University in England. Fabian says this note is being sung by a black hole 250 million light-years away in the Persis Cluster of Galaxies, as explained in a New York Times article in 2003. Now, as humans, we can hear perhaps 10 or 11 octaves of sound. Further work is being done to interpret the sounds of the universe through a process called sonification. In a recent article by science correspondent Dan Falk in the Smithsonian Magazine called What Does the Universe Sound Like? A team of astrophysicists from the Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory in Cambridge, Massachusetts, announced they have, quote, found ways to amplify and manipulate distant sound waves that would otherwise be undetectable by human ears. And the result is astonishing. You can take a tour of the sonification of the universe on YouTube, and you can listen to the sonification of the galactic center of the universe through links in this episode. In his search for the connection between celestial and earthly music, physicist and jazz musician Stefan Alexander turned to John Coltrane for inspiration. That's because the late great jazz musician John William Coltrane was fascinated by the famous physicist Albert Einstein. And in his efforts to understand Einstein's theories about the universe, 
Coltrane discovered a way to connect music with universal vibrations. Alexander studied Coltrane's music, and he writes about it in his book, The Jazz of Physics, The Secret Link Between Music and the Structure of the Universe. You can hear Alexander explain Coltrane's ideas in a Google Talk on YouTube, linked here in the notes. Here's a quote from the video. Quote, music is structured sound. If the universe started off as some sort of sound pattern and developed into structure and it is now a specific kind of structured sound, its structure is similar to the structure in music created by composers like Bach. And there are similarities between quantum mechanics and jazz improvisation. End quote. If you don't want to read the whole book, you can read an excerpt in The Jazz of Physics, which is an article in The American Scholar by Stephanie Bastic in 2016. And again, the link is in the notes. And included in that article is this quote. Coltrane believed that the complexity of the cosmos flows into the action of humans. And he practiced endless hours to be a conduit of this cosmic force. In his song, Jupiter, one can hear Coltrane literally channeling the orbits of Jupiter's moons in his improvisation. End quote. It's not just jazz. In the cosmic octave, Origin of Harmony, written in 1978 by a Swiss mathematician and musicologist, a natural formula of the cosmic octave was presented. Hans Cousteau called his cosmic octave the link between the orbit of the planets, the weather, colors, rhythms, and tones. Once, I heard the universe sing. It happened on an ordinary night, one February, while I was out for a walk. Imagine it, a lone figure bundled up and hurrying into the chill wind, heading past closed-up shops in a bid to keep the circulation going. The idea is to be warm enough to stand on the small beach at the end of my street for a few minutes, to enjoy the stars if they're out. I'm walking 20 minutes out, then... 20 minutes back with a small side trip to stare at the lake. Now, I've been taking this walk every evening that year, after dinner, for months. It's a neighborhood beach tucked into a button of a park set between small houses in a quiet part of town. A row of hundred-year-old cottonwood trees line a grassy berm, overlooking an arc of sand that pitches down to the water at a perfect angle. Perfect, anyway, for the small children who live in the nearby houses and who love spending long sunny days making trenches and pouring buckets of water into pretend rivers in the summertime. But on this February evening in the Northern Hemisphere, it's six weeks past the new year. It is nighttime. And until tonight, there have been few stars to see under frigid, overcast skies in at least that long.
the first inkling tonight would be different, came after the turn to head back toward the beach. There was a dark indigo glow behind the capering clouds that were racing away from a high breeze. By the time I was a block away from the beach, the clouds had won the horizon and the stars were showing themselves to the silver-gold brilliance of the first visible moon of the year. A small moment, poised to offer itself. Pieces were in play. A different kind of small moment, just as important, had happened the previous November, when I had heard the ice forming on the lake. It was cracking and freezing as the temperature dropped. It's a sound everyone should experience at least once, like a rite of passage. When the water freezes like that, a loud, sharp crack seems to come from everywhere and nowhere, both near and far away. On that night, I could see a thin layer of ice making a pattern of rectangles lined up in rows, their edges allowing for the movement of the waves. Every evening after that, I watched it change and become thicker, moving out toward the middle of the lake. Then it stopped moving out and just held steady like that for a few nights. Until one evening in the middle of January, it began to recede. The night before the universe sang, in the middle of February, the ice had become a meter-wide ribbon lining the shoreline. And on the night that the universe sang, I came around the corner to the park with a growing sense of expectation. A gentle breeze, so joyful it seemed to be breathing its way through the cottonwoods and sending bursts of laughter in all directions, inviting me closer. I was alone with the elements, and it was as if they had been waiting for me. The ice had broken into thousands of pieces, each piece about the size of my palm. They were moving in the waves, bumping into each other, rolling toward the beach, and reflecting both the stars and the moon as they melted together back into the lake. And as they melted, they sighed. And then I heard the music. These thousands of pieces of ice were clinking together like a massive wind chime carried by water and wind to their ultimate dissolution. They were melting in a rhapsody of natural order and harmony. Standing in the center of the arc of that beach, I listened to the symphony of the spheres without benefit of conductor or program, and I felt its music. It was breathtaking in its immensity. The only way to describe what happened next is to tell you that a kind of knowing came, a vision of many things all in the same instant. 
a small moment of eyes-wide-open understanding that floods the senses in less time than it takes for the heart to beat just one time and leaves you gasping and filled with wonder. I could suddenly see the way people come into the world and the way they leave it, and how we might have it all wrong in the way we feel about this coming and going into and out of life. Babies with their smooth skins and all their fingers and toes in place. You could say that they all begin their lives looking remarkably similar. They grow and grow until the day they stop growing, and then their bodies begin to recede, diminish, and eventually they come to the moment when they must leave this life. When a person has come to the end, they have worn their body in a way that is unique to them, and their body reflects every experience. And there was another correlation. If birth has a universal sound, it might be the hard snap of birth, a new pattern of potential. If death has a universal sound, it might be the joyous music of release back into the ether of creation. And I understood that we may have it all wrong to be so happy when a person is born and so unhappy when a person dies that perhaps we should be filled with sorrow at the birth of a child because it is being snapped into life without any knowledge of where it has come from or what is required or how to follow its path or purpose. And perhaps we should be filled with joy when a person dies because they have reached the end of the lessons they must learn, regardless of how well they have learned them. They are being welcomed back into the great wide beyond, there to merge and commune once again with the source of all things. Dear Grandchildren, I know it is a lot packed into two very small moments. The gift that came on that night was the result of a whole winter spent just going for a walk. The symphony only played on that one night. There was no magic the night before and none the night after. Here's the thing about your relationship with the universe, dear grandchildren. I believe that we live in a universe that knows who we are and where everything is, down to the smallest pieces of ice in a melting lake. And sometimes, if we manage to catch those small moments, it will sing for us. It is my fondest wish for you that you experience your own relationship with the universe, find your own way to connect to the music of the spheres, and as you learn to pay attention, to show up for yourself and for the world around you, that at least once you will hear the universe sing just for you. I'm dedicating this episode to my father, Glenn David Matheson. Happy Father's Day, Dad. 
Thank you for listening to episode 12 of The Grandmother Stories. See you soon. This podcast is for my grandchildren. To share my deepest secrets, the lessons I've learned, and the brilliant pieces of incredible joy that I've managed to find, even in my darkest hours. I'm sending this out to all of you, dear grandchildren, because I know you have come into this life with a purpose, just like every single child on the planet today. It's easy to forget sometimes that your voice, your gifts, your insights, and your presence in the world matters. The world needs your light because we are all seeking light in dark times.